1: As Christians, we are commissioned to go and tell, but that commissioning required some training. Hi there, welcome to today's broadcast of Times of Refreshing, From the Well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California. If you'll join us today, we catch up with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman, here in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. Anytime, for instance, say you commissioned an officer in the army or the military, there was a lot of training that went on before that officer was commissioned. Likewise, you and I go through training to be commissioned ambassadors for Christ. Let's take a look at this together, shall we? Here's Pastor Napoleon.
2: We're going to see something here in the life of Jesus that also can be applied to our lives as we are united with Christ and seated together with him in heavenly places. We have to realize that his mission becomes our mission, that we have been delegated authority to function On the behalf of the kingdom of God in the earth. We are in the world, but not of the world. And Jesus has joined us together with him. We are the bride of Christ. And so, not only are we the bride of Christ, but we, the Bible calls us his body. And so, he flows through us. He uses us as instruments to have impact in the world and to be a blessing to people. Luke chapter 4 Verse 1 on down to 13, we see Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. He goes through testing. And oftentimes before God's getting ready to launch you into something great, you're going to go through, you're going to go through a period of testing and trial. God's not allowing this to happen so that you would fall. He's, he's allowing this to happen to, to actually strengthen you and to prepare you for the battle. So Jesus is tested in the wilderness. Satan comes. And he begins to try to get into his psyche, to get him to fall, to take the steps that are necessary for a fall. Jesus overcomes. And he comes out of the wilderness with great power. And it says here in verse 14, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Oftentimes, you're going to find yourself being empowered, invigorated, strengthened. When you go through a tough time in your life. How many have ever been through a tough time in your life? Stuff that you can't explain. Stuff that just happens. Sometimes life just happens. Me and Elder Marvin were just talking. You go through moments like this. But in the the midst of it, if we respond right, we come out stronger. Fortified. There's something, there's a depth and a weight that comes to us when we, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. When you come through that valley of the shadow of death, there's a strengthening that takes place. There's a weightiness about you. And so for us, we want to we make sure that we embrace this. Jesus went through this and he came out stronger. You know, and I was sharing this with one of the brothers in the church. I said, you know, it's the lion with the most scars, he's the champion in the pack. He's the champion. You want to find the champion is the one that has the most battle scars. He's fought. He's won. He's the one. And so for us, it's, it's the same thing. People look at us and they don't understand. Yeah, we went through some things. We go through things in life. But it's strengthening you and it's making you, like I said, it causes you to be weightier. And so don't fret. Don't panic. Don't think your life is falling apart. Just continue to hold on to Jesus As you go through your moments in life, and then on the other side, there's a strength that you're going to have. Jesus goes through this, but he comes out, it says in verse 14, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, this is powerful. It's tremendous. It's such a blessing because, obviously, we see when you read the Gospels, and you read the Epistles... And you study the life of Jesus. We see all the great works. We see the miracles. We see the healings. We see the deliverance. We see him casting out demons. We see him causing, you know, just through the preaching of the gospel, uproars in the city. There's questioning about him. It was just the hand of God was upon him. But it all happens because he says in verse 18, he says, number one, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The same way that the spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus, the spirit of the Lord is upon you. God has sent forth His Spirit to rest upon you. Not just to dwell in you, but also to rest upon you. He empowers you. He strengthens you. And the Spirit of the Lord God has come upon us for service. God God, through His Spirit is working on our character on a day-to-day basis. We know this internally. He's dealing with us. But He's also resting upon you for service. God has released His Spirit, and His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He is on assignment from the Father to empower you to do whatever it is that He's called you to do. God's not in the business of blessing our messes. He wants to inspire and empower you to get something done that God our Father has dream, has been dreaming about concerning your life even before You visited this planet. And the way you're going to get it done is not just just by some worldly stuff. The way that we're going to get the job done is by allowing His Spirit to rest upon us and then move through us and allowing Him to have His way in our lives. And, And learning to trust in Him. Lord, I can't do this. I need Your Spirit to help me. I need the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me with this. I need your enablement. I need your power in my life. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Jesus did his ministry, and it did not happen until he was baptized by John the Baptist, and the Spirit of God rested upon him like a dove. So what makes us think that we can get anything done of substance concerning the kingdom without his Spirit working? It's not going to happen. We may be able to please man, but we're not going to be able to please God. And we're not going to be able to get his job accomplished fully working in the flesh. It's not going to happen. Jesus knew this. This is the reason why he stands here. He's saying, this is what you're seeing. This is being fulfilled. This is what's happening. The first thing he says is the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's on me. He's in my mind. He's in my heart. He's, he's, he's moving all through me. This is the mindset that we have to have. And we have to have it for just living our lives. Raising kids. Working on your job. Working in the church. Being faithful to your spouse. Living a single life right. Everything. That it's the Spirit of the Lord God. How do you do this? Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. It's the Holy Spirit, man. He's just working in my life. How in the world could you do that? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. He just empowers me to do it, man. But man, you work hard. Yeah, I work hard. But if his super doesn't get on my natural, it's not going to work. And it's, it's him. And so Jesus comes out. And the first thing he says is the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Look what he says. In verse 18, he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, number two, because he has anointed me. Somebody say anointed. This means that God has consecrated you, has set you aside, and has smeared you and rubbed you with his presence for his purpose. Okay? And so we have to see that just being connected to the anointed one, the Christos, the Christ, there's an anointing that rests upon your life that's built into salvation. Now, some people are anointed to be pastors. Some people are anointed to be apostles. Some people are anointed to be evangelists and teachers. Some people are anointed in business. Some people people are anointed in different areas of ministry and life. But understand that God separating you and consecrating you and smearing you with his presence is necessary for us to get the job done. That, man, I'm anointed Now, understand when when you are anointed, when God anoints you, obviously God knows that he set you apart, but you have to know that you have been set apart. That is the greatest problem with the church. One of the greatest problems with the church is we want to fit in with everyone. When God has separated you and anointed you for his purpose. Stop thinking that it's a matter of, of, of popularity. No, I'm anointed to do this, and so I can't get involved in everything. I can't do everything. I'm not going to do. When God took his anointing oil and poured it upon Aaron and his sons, they were consecrated as priests, and they were set aside for their assignment, and they were different than everybody else. You have to see yourself as different than everyone else. Man, I'm anointed by God. God has taken His presence. He smeared me and consecrated me with His presence, and He set me apart as holy for His purpose. The world can't have me. My flesh can't rule in me. The devil can't get his hands on me because I've been set apart and consecrated before God. This is part of the commissioning. God has set me apart, and I and all of us in this room. I don't care if you have been saved for one day. You're anointed. God saved you and set you apart, and yes, you've got to grow, and yes, you've got to mature, and yes, you don't know everything, and yes, there's going to be a process, and yes, you've got to go through it, and yes, you're going to and God's going to take you higher, and you're going to go all through, through all of this, but if you don't know that you're anointed, the devil's not going to tell you. Can I have an amen, y'all? We got to start reminding ourselves, I'm anointed, I can't get involved in that. I have been set apart by God. God, the Lord, and every single person in this room, if you are a a, a born-again Christian, you are anointed God has set you apart. And we all have to embrace that as men and women of God. He said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, number two, because He has anointed, anointed me, and then He gets specific. He says, to preach the gospel to the poor. He says to preach the gospel to the poor. And so, Obviously, number three, we have to be individuals that embrace the message and the target of the message. He says here, the gospel, he says to the poor. For all of us here, knowing the gospel, knowing Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and the depths of what that means is so important. We, we And you guys hear me say this all the time, so this isn't new, but it's, it's a shame. We've got away from just preaching about Jesus, preaching about the things of God, and we're up here preaching about movies. Using a pulpit to talk about, you know, what Oprah said and what this person said. I don't care. I want to know what the Bible says about my life and what Jesus says about what he did. Can I have an amen? And we keep it simple and not get distracted. What happens is the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe. To the Jew first and then also to the Greek. And so it's the gospel that God is going to confirm as we have been commissioned. It's that message that's going to have the power. You can get people to shout. You can get people to jump and to dance. But I want to make sure whatever I'm saying, the Holy Spirit is saying, yeah. Amen. Now, oftentimes I'm asking y'all for an amen, but I'm asking him for an amen too. Because that's what causes him to work. When he gets activated, because he's confirming the message that you're preaching, then he begins to follow people home. And then remind them of what you said. And you're up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden, something that somebody said that was anointed just pops in your mind, and you start going back in your mind like, man, that was powerful. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, that's my message. That's what we want. We want, to have, we want to have a message that God is going to confirm. He's going to, he's going to get activated in. And he's going to cause his presence to be felt. He says the gospel, he says to the poor. Now, he's not just talking about people that are naturally poor. The Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit. There's a, there's a place in our lives for understanding that, that it's not monetary wealth that makes you poor or, ri- or rich. You can have all the money in the world, but still be poor. You can have, you can be the most powerful spiritual person in the, in the, in the world and still be broke. We want to have both. We want to be rich in the spirit and then we want to be blessed, you know, monetarily, but also there's a place in us when we come to God that there is a, there is a sense of our necessity as we approach the throne of God that must never leave us. And I believe it's one of the things that helps us to gain access to the kingdom of God. That's why he says, blessed is the poor in spirit. Because a person comes to grips with the fact that I may have everything, but something in me is not right. You know what it is? You're poor in spirit. You need God in your life. You need God. Well, Jesus went around and he went and he started preaching the gospel to people who were poor. And he began to help and he's helping us to understand that we're anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. That means that there's no limitation on who we should be sharing the gospel with. When we go out to share with other believers, stop worrying about how much money they have. Who cares about how popular they are? You see these movie stars, you see actors, you see these, these people that are musicians and singers, and you see them, and you can look now that your eyes have been opened, say, man, this guy's got millions of people, you know, singing his songs, but look at him. If I just said some names, and I won't, but if I just said some names, you say, man, just poor in spirit. Well, that person needs the gospel. But you know what happens? People get so enamored with a person's talent and gifts that we don't want to look them in the eye and say, man, you got a million people following you on Twitter, man, but you broke. Can I have an amen? You need Jesus in your life. You've got all these people, man. You, you, it looks like you're really blowing up. But now, but now look at you, man. you have having nervous breakdowns. Because, you, you, because you're, you're, you're poor in spirit. Well, Jesus took the gospel to people that he saw as poor, and he ministered to Nicodemus, and he ministered to, uh, to Matthew, he ministered to, to, to Luke, the physician, and he ministered to these people that seemed like they had it together, but they didn't have it together. And he gave them the gospel. It's the same thing with all of us. And I've sat down with some of the great CEOs and business people and sat down with some of the greatest athletes that have ever played in their sports. And you sit down and talk to people. And then when you scratch the surface, you realize this person needs God. He needs God just like everybody else. I got saved. I was a first-round draft pick, millions of dollars, all this stuff. And one of my teammates looked at me, and he shared the gospel because he saw that I had all this stuff, but I was poor. And for all of us, don't ever be intimidated to share the gospel with people. You talk about Jesus with people. I don't care how they look. I'm I'm telling you, some people, I gave that Bible to... to, um, to Al Davis and I will never forget when he looked me in the eye and said no one has ever given me anything like this when I gave him a bible because most people were probably afraid they didn't want to open up and share this this is valuable to me you need this because I can see you're poor in spirit you need God everybody needs God And so Jesus has anointed us, and the Spirit of the Lord God has come upon us. He says to preach the gospel to the poor. Look what he says here. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Somebody say brokenhearted. So many people in the world are brokenhearted. Their hearts have been broken through life circumstances and trials and decisions that they have made in their lives. People are the walking wounded. Their hearts need to be repaired. The center of your emotions and your passions, the seat of your emotions and passions, your heart. God wants to heal that place in our hearts because it it gets fragmented, it gets disjointed, it gets hurt. Our hearts can become hardened. The Bible talks about so many different kinds of conditions of hearts bitterness of heart, hatred in our hearts. Our hearts can be, and then then he says here, our hearts can just be broken. Our hearts become broken down through life circumstance, And so when Jesus goes out to share the gospel, just like we should, he's looking at people that have broken hearts, but Jesus can heal a person's heart. And he teaches us the process of repair. How do we repair a person's heart? He teaches us how to do this. And he goes out and he heals people's broken hearts. God can come in and do this. Well this is a part of the gospel presentation. This is a part of what we are to do as men and women of God. is to help people's hearts get healed. People are struggling with so much resentment and bitterness and hatred and anger. Now, people's hearts have become heavy. Despair has gripped them. And sometimes our hearts are bad because, because ultimately we're not getting out of life what we want to get out of life. And so now we, we, we kind of just fall out on God because it's just not going my way. And we allow, we don't guard our hearts with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. We don't protect our hearts so that we give our hearts away to people and people stab you in the back. Stuff happens and now people are walking around and their hearts are just bad. Jesus comes along and he wants to heal the broken heart. We see, we've seen this in the last year with stuff that's, that's gone on in the culture. And stuff that's gone on with the, with the rioting and police shootings and all this stuff. And all you see is a bunch of people with bad hearts. People's hearts are bad. And but Jesus comes in to heal the brokenhearted. People are struggling in their life not having fathers or mothers in their life. People are struggling in their life trying to raise kids by themselves or, or trying to life can be tough. And our hearts can be broken. But Jesus comes in with a message that that brings healing. The thing I love about the way Jesus teaches healing though, when he comes in to heal the brokenhearted, he also helps us to understand that we have a part to play in the process of healing. He teaches us to forgive. He teaches us to pray for our enemies. I know y'all don't want to do it, but we got to do it because when you forgive and when you pray for your enemy, what happens is God is not only just working for them, he's working for you. He's liberating you. Can I have an amen? He's setting you free. He's getting your heart free. He's liberating you. He's freeing you from bitterness and resentment and hatred and anger and all those things. Well, this is what the gospel comes to bring. You sit down with a person long enough and you start listening to them and you can just hear the bitterness come out. Well, that's just how they are. Well, no, they don't have to be that way. they just mean as a snake. They don't have to be that way. They just hate everybody. They don't have to be that way. They don't. Jesus comes in and he sent, he says that the Lord has sent him to heal the brokenhearted. And for all of us, we want to embrace this aspect of the message. But let me say this, saints. It's hard to heal when you haven't been healed. It's hard to heal when you haven't been healed. It's hard to start operating on somebody else when you got this big old wound. So we have to first allow God to work on us. Amen.
1: Thank you for joining us for Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman.